As we mentioned earlier, we'd like to just take a little time for some questions and uh, answers, or perhaps we could say responses, because we may not always specifically answer the question in those terms. But um, just to say a little bit about how we'd like to do that, Kinshino and I will, will kind of approximately take turns in responding. Um, and the intention is essentially to offer the opportunity for questions that are related to your practice, to what's happening here, to what might support you to be able to engage usefully and effectively with your experience and with the instructions that we've offered you. So it's not really an open invitation to sort of far-ranging questions of Buddhist philosophy, comparative religion, or um, sort of existential uh, sort of speculation. And at the same time, of course, these kinds of territories may be relevant and real for you in relationship to what's happening in your practice, in your experience. So it's not saying we can't talk about that, but it needs to be sort of engaged with what's happening for you to be what seems useful in this situation here. Um, and the way we can do it is that someone can raise their hand, we'll ask. And, uh, and in an attempt to uh, create as much space for as many of you to ask a question as may wish, we'll just take turns answering. But sometimes we might both feel we want to speak to it and we'll mm -hmm. endeavour, and probably fail, but we will endeavour to do so concisely. Um, We'll see how we go. It's a test for us both. May I preface something uh, in response to a note? Um, I spoke yesterday about willingness to give up one's parallel programs uh, for the course of the retreat. And I mentioned things like running and getting books read and so forth. Now, the problem with this is not running or uh, uh, actually, with reading, I would have problems. We, de we would do discourage this. The problem is the conflict that may present you with the existing program. Yeah? So if you manage to put in your running outside of the existing program, you have all my support, just to be clear. Yeah? Great. So perhaps we could take first question. Yeah. So I'm noticing in my practice actually somewhat horrified by how much of my mental energy is devoted to trying to be more comfortable in some way. Either simple things like getting a drink of water, changing posture, getting something to eat. And I used to think it was only occupying my mind a little bit. But as I sit, I notice that there's this very subtle wanting to change the way things are because they're not to my liking. Hmm. Can you say something about working with that? Sure. And the first thing I just want to acknowledge, I'll try and repeat the, the essence of the question. Um, and the experience of sitting and um, finding that one's mental activity is devoted to seeking more comfort to a very high degree, if that's a, a reasonable summary. I think this is very common, very normal. What you also noted was that you found yourself horrified to discover this, having thought that maybe it wasn't quite as large a proportion of the mental activity. So 
I think it's really important in terms of just to make a response to that, to see, first of all, oh, yes, this is actually what is going on for actually most of us if we're not paying careful attention, if we haven't done some training and actually, even if we have done some training, this is often a lot of what's going on. This is what self-activity and mental activity is concerned with. It has a survival basis. But as Akinchno observed earlier, it doesn't have a sort of, a, it doesn't conduce to happiness. The key thing there, I think, is first of all to notice with, oh, there's lots. Lots of this, sure. And to be aware of the tendency to judge it or to judge oneself, to be horrified. It's actually good news that you see it. It's really good news that you see that this is what's going on. And if that sense of being horrified by it could just be gently nudged into a sense of being interested in or concerned about it, not rejecting it, but actually, oh, I want to know what's going on here. Now, we don't need and we're not encouraging you to try and figure that out right now, but just to notice it and bring yourself back. Reconnect. Begin again. The very assumption that it's not going on so much is part of what makes it hard for us to see how much is going on. And when we see that, it's a little, maybe it's not that flattering from a sort of, sort of meditator's points point of view. You know, how many points do I get for this meditation? But we're not really here for that. When you notice it, if you can catch the part that reacts against it with, oh my God, look how much of this there is, or oh, my Buddha, depending how your mind works. You know, it's like, oh, look at that, it's this. And then just bring your attention back into your body. Come back and notice what it's like that all that was going on. Start from there. You'll be in good company, I would imagine. And there's plenty of smiles and nods around the room that you can't see, but I can. Just to know that is important. Thank you. question around how quickly I should switch between different sensations that occur. So I'll be with a you know, heaviness in a, in a shoulder, and then I'll uh, notice uh, something in my leg, and I could either stay with the, the first feeling or switch at you know, lightning speed. I kind of wonder about what the, the useful strategy is. I don't think switching in lightning speed is really good. Um, you want to be guided by the notion of inhabiting this, getting to know, relating to this more deeply. Yeah? So there's two things you were interested in here. One of them is actually deepening your bodily sensitivity and making this a resource in your attentional focus practice. For this to take place, you need to actually be able to engage, connect, resonate, hold and stay with. You can't do that in lightning speed. The other thing is this has a pacifying effect on the mind. Yeah. So you're interested in both learning about the body and you're interested in modulating your mind state into a present-centered, less reactive mode that offers better opportunities for deepening stillness. So both of them are fostered by slower slowing down. So I would encourage you to slow down and uh, while you congratulate yourself that you have 
enough awareness to notice the simultaneity of many different sensations, you favor one you have chosen, whether it be the dominant or the subdominant or a focused one or a large one. And then you kind of hover with that and stay with this for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just stay with the feeling state and just try and feel into that, what the heck is this? Why is it going on? Not even why is it going on, but what is this? What is this state? Um, and I'm just wondering if you can talk about how to, what it should be doing with that. Sure. Yeah, so again, the question is about the initial instruction being an orienting towards body as a primary reference and object, and then how to handle an experience such as emotion or feelings. You're using feeling, but I'm understanding what you mean, emotion. Emotional processes that are coming on that are sometimes quite powerful and that if disregarded actually lead to some sense of disconnection rather than connecting with the body. And so... First of all, we're giving a basic orientation and encouraging a certain emphasis. We're not making any absolute rules of you must always and only do this and always and only in this way. We're saying what's mostly going to be helpful most of the time. And within that, then, you have to explore a little for yourself. But with the arising of the emotional life, we can see it has different components. For now, absolutely don't get into trying to figure out why and even how. But just notice the what of it as a physical sense. Oh, so how does my body feel when there's some emotionality going on? Oh, it feels tight or agitated or hot or uncomfortable or whatever it is. So you can actually refer into the body just... If it's strong, I would suggest take a moment just to breathe out and feel it. And then actually, for now, just move your attention into a broader sense of your body. So you're including it, but you're not picking it up and focusing on it, which is a useful and important practice to develop, but is supported by a greater degree of steadiness of heart and mind. That will, will come more through not too quickly picking up things that are we could say more intense and potentially agitating or distressing. And it's really important that's not a suggestion that we shouldn't be having the experience or that one shouldn't be attending to the experience if I am having it. But just saying, what is a skillful way to attend to this experience at this point in the process of my retreat? And later on, it might make more sense to focus a little more on the specifics of the sensations and actually work with them a little more intentionally if they're so strong that you have no choice but to handle them in that way, then that's what you need to do. 
But if you have a choice, and a lot of practice is about seeing we do have choices, seeing what are the choices that lead to a settling, to a gathering, to a cohering of this capacity to be present in the immediacy of my experience in my body, and not fragmenting or creating kind of a dissonance within that. And uh, so... For most people, much of the time, it will be possible to find a way to be with that's not rejecting or ignoring, but nor yet picking it up as my topic for now, at this point. And saying, sometimes you say, actually, yeah, if it needs more attention, that'll come. Let's just see if I hold it almost like more of the energetic felt body sense. That's enough. And that's body. That's here. That's now. Good, thank you. And again, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people for whom these questions are very relevant. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, there have been moments, especially in sitting practice, um, where a real stillness lands in the body. Um, and it almost feels like sensations are so light, it feels like almost like the form or boundaries of my body, I, I can't feel it as much. Um, and there's an ease to that, but I find that the mind really dulls. Um, it, I either get kind of sleepy or I start to create some stories um, because there's such stillness that I almost feel like there isn't sensation to really anchor back to. Even the breath feels um, very light. Um, and I was wondering if there were some instructions you could give me to kind of explore the subtlety of sensation, even within the stillness. Yes, it is a common experience that if your mind settles and becomes more still, your experience of body changes from the more physical to a more energetic um, dimension of your experience. Yeah? So if you're looking for the same degree of specificity and texture when the mind is still of body experience, like when it is not still, you, you'll be disappointed. So you have to learn to adapt the way you relate to that. So I would suggest try widening the gauge of your body awareness. So rather than trying to hold on to a sensation in the knee that seems to become more and more evanescent, um, just try to become bigger. Hold body in a, as an energetic phenomenon. You, know? you see pulse, vitality, warmth, vibration. There's many aspects of body that go beyond what we would call a physical sensation. So you will have to experiment whether becoming more deep, small helps you or takes you, in other words, avoids the dullness you refer to or becoming more big. My hunch would be try the big one first. Yeah? And just attune to body being different. Something in that dullness is maybe the result of trying to 
retain the familiarity, the familiar clarity of a sensation when this sensation actually is gradually dissolving. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. And just one thing that I'd add to that, which maybe useful, just to notice, you said it's actually quite easeful and enjoyable in a sense that sounds like for that kind of car it's not unusual for there also to be some degree of unease about the body boundary or the body sense dissolving and that sometimes they're not connecting is because we haven't spotted or haven't seen clearly that something in me isn't actually quite so comfortable here and so i'm not saying that's the case but it's a really good thing to check it just is it okay for me that it's like this because from our normal point of view just a moment solid things are supposed to say solid and what we see is that they don't. So I'm deliberately going to look further back just because I haven't actually seen beyond the front to three, four rows yet. I'm not saying someone out there has to put their hand up. Yes? Will you please teach or offer instructions on lying down meditation for your camp practices here in this room? We don't necessarily offer as a part of the sort of the formal structure lying down meditation. It's something that the Buddha mostly suggested with regard to someone who is sick or injured or unwell in some way, or to use it to rest. Um, it can be helpful. It has a place we may do something that includes it, but in one sense, when it's not in my intention that we would do that. Normally, if someone needs it as an individual, I would give them instruction specifically for what their particular circumstances were. Um, and, uh, you know, one can practice lying meditation in bed before going to sleep or when resting. And for that, I would generally suggest lying on one's back. And if you don't want to fall asleep, bend your knees, put your feet flat on the ground and put one arm up in the air. That's the short version. I could say a lot more, but this will stop you falling asleep. If you're doing it lying in bed before you're going to sleep, you might want to dispense with the arm. Yes, please. I am fascinated by this concentration on the body because I've had other retreats on embodiment, but nothing quite this focused. And... Um, fact that the body can influence things. My body had a really bad day yesterday from the day the moment I woke up almost. And it colored um, the redness, it colored the perceptions, the perceptions were snarly, the um, thoughts were nasty, confusion of the, uh, the the body the body was ruling yesterday. And I just I just found that really, really interesting. Uh, it had so much power. We're, um, mostly we're kind of body-mind together and the body's a ball of, of, a ball of foam. And here this is actually running my day. So I, found, I just found that interesting. I didn't really need to add. <laughs> Thank you. It's humbling and obviously very, very true. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the notions of this term embodiment is that... We experience the body as an object of our senses. We can see it, we can touch it, we can, we can sniffle, we can, you know, we can, we can taste it, you know, you can lick the sweaty salt off your skin, you know. So the body can serve as an object of our exterior senses. At the same time, 
the body is also the habitat in which perception takes place. The body is um, the system uh, from which uh, impulses arise. So uh, that is in a way so obvious that it's almost embarrassing to state, but it is um, being embodied means we are both object. Body can be object to our senses. At the same time, our senses are part of this body. A plate of spaghetti looks different when you're hungry or when you've just eaten two of them. So the state of your body is directly affecting the perceptual nature in which it perceives the apparent world out there. And sometimes it can be humbling, isn't it? Because most of our autonomy uh, conceit happens to be circling around our head. (laughs) And it, it can be quite humbling to acknowledge how much we actually live in that body, live through that body, live by that body, and live by its body, by this body's needs. Yeah. More of this later. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Please, yeah. Um, I really like the way that you describe the fullness. It's a more technical question, is that okay? Sure. Um, the way you describe the fullness in the base of the spine when we're sitting. Um, can you just describe a little bit more about that, please? Like how we know so in terms of the fullness of the base of the spine specifically the postural instruction that Akinchana was giving this morning I mean I could add to that but do you want to no do okay the the whole relationship between the, the base of the lower spine and the pelvis is central to establishing a posture that actually sustains itself. In terms of what we mean, the fullness of it, um, I'm not actually sure how much more I have to say on that, to be honest. But the sense of fullness of attention is part of what's important there to actually get to know what's going on. When I'm curious if you could say a little bit more, what is it that you're interested to know? What is it you're interested to hear? With regard to fullness, it's like it sit up mm-hmm. and everything is going up. Okay. So to, to be able to, to know what to do with the body to bring more of an expansion than a curvature or an arching. So when you sit up, you notice everything's going up. Is that kind of like an energetic experience? Like you notice your attention going up? I the, think both. Okay. Okay. Well, I think it's essentially to. The, the, the discipline or the practice there is really to bring your attention back down and notice, first of all, what's happening. Where am I habitually ending up in terms of how is this getting set up? Most of us will find we tend to either push into the belly and hyperextend the curve in the lower and the small of the back, or we tend to collapse it. And if you just gently move your pelvis on your seat and just gently tip it forward till you know it's gone too far forward, you'll be able to feel it gets tight. It's uncomfortable. And then you can just gently rock it backwards and the top of the pelvis backwards and you feel at a certain point what would be natural is for your torso to collapse forward from there and to keep it up. Keep your body upright when that has collapsed is a lot of work. Huh? And so somewhere between those two places, and it feels a little different for all of us, again, according to how familiar we are with being in this place, it may or may not feel that comfortable. But there's a point at which through the appropriate degree of curvature in the small of the back, which is, and, and a certain engagement of the, um, 
the musculature around there that it I'm trying to think how to describe this. It's almost like as if it's slightly drawing the torso down onto it. What actually happens, and of course there's the rest of the body too, but the gravity actually starts to gather the posture, the body into the posture, rather than pull it out of the posture. Now this is a state of grace to be enjoyed when found and not to be lamented if it's not where we always are. Because, again, we can get a little sort of like trying to get to the right sweet spot all the time. may not be the most useful thing to spend the rest of the week on. But a bit of that time well spent, definitely. Yes, please. Well, the reasons for falling asleep are, are manifold. You, you will have to find out what brand of sleepiness you, you're contending with here. Um, at the beginning of the retreat, you know, your sleepiness may simply have to do with the fact that you need to adjust a schedule, that your body needs to adjust to a different environment. Um, that you may have had a very busy life just before coming here and suddenly you're halted in your tracks. This meditation schedule is foisted on you and your poor body-mind now should perform according to the new schedule while the momentum of the old schedule still carries you. So, be curious. Um, I would, from the fact that you're sleepy in the morning, neither conclude that you should not meditate in the morning and just do it in the afternoon when it's easier, nor that you should particularly fight hard in the morning. I, I would like you to inquire into causes for that sleepiness. Begin with, when are you not sleepy? There will be moments, even in the morning, when you're not sleepy. Are you sleepy over breakfast? Uh, are you sleepy when you brush your teeth? You know, so take an interest how sleepiness constellates itself. Does it happen when you sit down? Does it happen when you close your eyes? Does it happen when you nestle your blanket up? Does it, you know, there will be contributing factors to that sleepiness. And the closer you're interested in this, the more you will learn from this. Yeah. We're going to address the topic, so... You're in very good company with this. Yeah. 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 And actually, I just add briefly also, I don't know if I was hearing it as such, but it sounds a little bit like there might be an idea there that if it's harder, I should do more of it where it's harder. Or if it's working less well here, I should... Imp now, this, that can be a noble spirit to really be willing to work where it's more challenging. And just as Akinshino was saying, a lot to be learned in that. But it's equally useful to be working where it's not challenging. To not discount that. It's, this is not a no pain, no gain scenario at all. It's like we can learn where there is challenge and we can also learn where there is relative ease. And to not make a hierarchy of value between those two I think is important. 
they all offer something. So we probably have time for one more. Yes, please. Okay, whether I can reference the outer edge of experience a, a little more. Um, let me clarify what sounds like a rather big statement. The outer edge of experience sounds a little more metaphysical than I've meant this this morning. I was speaking specifically of body sensations. And one of my suggestions was to contact the sensation by basically going to the part of the body that is most discernibly feeling. Yeah? So you end up with a so-called sensation, a twitch in your knee. And my suggestion was, rather than just to focus on this, to actually envelop the sensation. Trying to expand around the sensation. Rather than just target in on it, you, you hold it gently. And you're kind of seeking where the, where the sensation ends. Go beyond its edge. So, where does it end? How far does it reach? What is it connected with? In other words, you're hitting the soft, the easiest part of the sensation, and then you're trying to widen out around it. Yeah? So that means you end up, you begin with an object focus, and you end up gradually with a sort of field awareness of your knee, rather than just pain in your knee. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it sounds less beautiful than what you said, but um, this was actually the, the humble uh, origin of the, my instruction. Yeah? So that the movement of attention widens out once it has found its target. Yeah? We'll hear more of, you'll hear more of this. Thank you. Yeah. Good? I think we've just come up yeah, to... Yeah, that's our time. I was going to say, and I, I'm, I'm a softie when it comes to boundaries, if anyone was left with something that feels like a burning thing you really need attended to, you could still ask. But if it's not that, not that we're going to measure you on it. I hate to cut people off if there's something just coming, but uh, maybe we're done. Great. I want to compliment you yeah. for your brevity your sense of detail and your reserve in holding back the big stuff. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Good walking meditation. Were you going to say something? Only that if it hasn't been named already, I want to just say, as you will have seen, that there will be a yoga class offered right. in the um, latter part of the afternoon through Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.